Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We have our beliefs, and we fit ourselves into those beliefs instead of questioning the beliefs themselves. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is V Koo, and you're now listening to my show, The Real Estate Lab Podcast. It's November. It's the month about giving back. Have you ever thought about writing a book about your own stories, your own experience, so that you can teach others about your expertise? If you have, but you don't think that you're good enough to write, or that you haven't done enough to write your own book, pay attention to today's episode. You see, as real estate investors, each of us have specialized knowledge to share. Each deal might be the same with your last one fundamentally. However, I bet you, I bet you anything, each deal is different in some way. There's always hiccup in real estate. There's no deals the same even though you might be doing the apartment deals okay your value add apartment your apartment issues it's not going to be the same as the last one that you purchased and each of those deals well it's a different lesson that someone can read and learn from you are essentially a few steps ahead of someone else and In the spirits of giving back, why not put that into a book and teach them about it? My guest is here today to help you do just that. Nick Rattel is the creator of the 7 Hours Book. This is a proven system that allows real estate investors to get their own stories, their own expertise professionally published in a book. Wow, you only have to spend seven hours of your own time. It's really important in a day and age where podcasts is everywhere, YouTube is everywhere, but you know, there's something different about having a book, especially hardcover book. So Nick is on a mission to help investors like us to get recognitions. All right, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Nick Rattel from contentcore.net. Welcome to another episode of the Rusty Lab Podcast. I have Nick Rattel here with me today. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me, V. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Nick, you're the founder of the Seven Hour Book, a system that allows any Rusty investors or entrepreneurs to get a professional published book in just seven hours of that client's uh, time. Now, we'll talk more about that. But first, could you share with me, with the audience, what were you doing before Seven Hour Book? Absolutely. Well, I've coming up through the ranks of uh, digital marketing, doing some pay-per-click, Facebook ads, and ultimately getting into a lot of content writing, content production. And within that context, began to see that there was a need for people to use a book 
of all the forms of content out there a book to help promote themselves, their businesses, and most recently with their real estate endeavors. So you were always a digital marketer. You did PPC, uh, PPC, pay-per-click, and then have you done any Facebook ads at all? I have, yes, yes. Familiar with that platform as well, running campaigns for clients on that. Okay. And so from there, you you were a digital marketer. What makes you convert to a book guy? Because most of the time, people who are in the digital marketing world, they go to like uh, video content or they go do some kind of things with click funnels. And uh, you went the other route. You went old school with books. Well, that old school part is precisely the appeal for me. The idea that something which is old fashioned like a book is a whole lot less crowded than some of these other spaces. And there's certainly something to be said for online content and even video content. We're seeing that today, particularly with video prospecting, which is a pretty big area. Now people sending video emails in their outreach campaigns. But for me, the book and books in general have an appeal, not just as a reader. I mean, I'm a lifelong reader, like many of your listeners might be of books, really interested in it from that standpoint but also of entering a space that's a whole lot less crowded. As everyone's racing for the latest social media app and the latest digital channel, books are kind of the last frontier. And if you're looking to stand out, they can potentially be a very good means of doing so. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually just um, remember uh, one of the lessons I learned a few months back now from a mastermind that I was in one of the guest speakers there uh, mentioned that old is new. And you see that a lot of things from the old world, and like you said, books are kind of coming back. People in this new world of marketing like to do podcasts, like to do video content, but the time that requires to sit down and write a book, it's really next next to like, None, because you really have to have love for for your product or your knowledge to take out that amount of time and sit down and, and put that product together. It's really important. I think you raise a great point just now with the idea of old as new. I mean, whether we're talking about books or even depending on how you do your marketing, things like the phone. I mean, I've heard it said that you know the phone right now is going to be making a raging comeback with all of the automated emails out there and as things seemingly get less personalized. So I just want to raise that as a point for your listeners to consider old forms of media or what might formerly have been deemed old forms of media if they're looking for new ways to stand out. Right. And and another thing too is I heard this for a long time that book is also a new type of business card in a sense that people will throw away your your business card, but when you have a book, they will keep it around. And you, especially if you have a hardcover book, holy cow, that thing will stay forever. Now, how true has it been for you and your client? It's been surprisingly true in the sense, like you're saying, B, that, I mean, a hardcover book, even a paperback book, it's kind of like a business card that people don't throw away. Or I like to refer to it sometimes is when you have a book, it's giving you the thud factor in the sense that the book literally thuds, you know, on your prospect's desk or on their table. And that's 
that's literally carrying a lot more weight, if you will, than a blog post or even potentially, you know, a pay-per-click ad or some kind of YouTube content. Right. Now, besides having a book as like um, your new business card, how, how else could you use a book? Especially, could you use a book to network or to outreach to your, to your investors? You absolutely could. Uh, before I go more into that, though, I do want to be clear with your listeners, V, that mm-hmm. a book is something that people should consider if they've taken the time to get a clear grip on what their goals are, what they're looking to achieve overall in their REI business or elsewhere. And they've determined that of all the channels out there, a book makes the most sense. And I say that because in some cases, a book may not actually be the right direction for you to go in. It could be that you actually need to start a podcast, or you actually just need to run some very highly targeted Facebook ads or ads on Instagram, or send some LinkedIn prospecting videos. Other channels like that need to be considered before you unilaterally decide that a book is what you're going to pursue. Just want to be clear with your audience about that. Well, so how do you know a book is right for you? Let's say you have tried those different types of media, your Instagram, your Facebook ads, um, YouTube content video. You have success to a certain extent, but then if I'm having success here, at what point do I switch over to book? You might never. or If you've done those things and you decide, okay, I would now like to see how it compares, then you might begin to take the steps toward a book. Or in a third case, maybe you just decide, you know what? I like the idea of a book. I think it makes sense for the kinds of people I'm looking to reach, them being people who actually read books or appreciate what a book can do. And that might be something that would cause you to make that decision. And one interesting question is I, I um, noticed that a lot of your your content now, especially podcasts that you have been on, are mainly in the real estate niche. And doing real estate was really easy before. And no one would have ever thought that you need to have a podcast, a YouTube show, and then now a book. But could you give just some just some insight of why some of your clients decide to finally have a book? Yeah, absolutely. The reason for that that they've found is that over the years, it's become increasingly more difficult to raise your head out above the noise and to stand out amidst the fray, particularly now with multifamily. And I don't... <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with this, but I did have a client a while back who described multifamily as, and these are his words, he called it the new Carlton Sheets, which I think that's a little strong, but you know, he certainly, I can certainly see where he was coming from in the sense that multifamily REI has become, among all the forms of REI, multifamily in particular, has become increasingly crowded. And as more and more people are throwing their hand in throwing themselves into the ring with this, so to speak. There's a need now to stand out and show that, you know, I didn't just wake up yesterday and decide I wanted to do multifamily. Here's why I'm credible. Here's why you should trust me with your investor capital if I'm raising money for a syndication. And to do that, 
it's become increasingly necessary to have a brand and a platform, whether that's a podcast where you're interviewing others and using their credibility in a good way, in a positive way, to build your own and build your thought leadership platform that way, or whether it's through a channel like a book where you're taking your experience and your hard-won lessons from the trenches and putting that into a book format. So let's say you have a, a book format. You want to have this platform, but you're not a writer. Right? I don't think my story ha- is any, anything special compared to the next investor. How do you determine uh, my credibility to decide, hey, I'm going to take you on as a client? Ooh, that's, that's a really interesting question because I feel like there's a couple of things in play there. There's the question of how good a writer do you need to be? And then there's also a question of what is your story? And in a sense, what gives you the right to put out a book like that? So if we're going to tackle the first of those, needing to be a good writer, I feel like that's something that hangs up a lot of people when it doesn't necessarily need to. I think that if you look at certainly many of the books that are out there, they were not written by you know William Shakespeare or anything. So it doesn't need to be you know, the King's English, top of the line writing. Um, And then in addition to that, you can also, on the writing point, you can also cheat, if you will, and pull content from blog posts you've written. And there's nothing saying that if you put out blog posts over the course of a year or so, you couldn't then look at which of those blog posts got the most comments, got the most attention, and then compiled those blog posts, maybe extended them a little bit, but collected them into a book format, made that your book. Or it could be that you have a podcast, you record a bunch of episodes, and I actually say this because we had a client who did this, um, and then you have the episodes with the guests, the guests are contributing content, you're contributing content as a host, you get them transcribed, maybe rewrite things, and that becomes your book. So the question of not being a good writer and not even if you you're going a little bit further back, maybe not having gotten A's in all of your English classes when you're in grade school, you know that doesn't necessarily need to stop you from doing a book. And now, in terms of the other part of that question, the part about maybe not feeling like you have a story or not feeling like you have a right in a sense to put out a book, there's certainly something there, but that comes back, I think, to understanding why, at the end of the day, you're putting this book out. And once you know, cheesy and cliche as it might sound, but once you know your why, then it becomes a whole lot clearer as to whether you should, in fact, do this. So then how do you, do you work with clients on identifying their why before you take them on as client? And also, who is your ideal client? Sure. So for that first part, the why, typically what we like is for people who are coming to us to have had that conversation for themselves and to have determined on their own. I mean, we're really not in the business of convincing someone to have a book. It's really the sort of thing that it's best when they have that, when they take that time on their own, they really do, in some cases, some soul searching, so to speak to figure out that it makes sense for them and then come to us. In terms of the other part of what you asked me, the part, the ideal client, it really depends. I mean, we started off 
Initially, we were working with a lot of small business owners, uh, people in the medical field, dentists, you know, some local real estate agents, attorneys, people with professional services who needed to stand out in the telephone book. <laughs> if you remember what a telephone book was, yeah, that was a long time ago, but they needed to stand out in the telephone book from the scores of others in their same line of work. And much more recently, as we've just been talking about, as real estate and real estate investing has become more crowded, our ideal client, the types of folks we're tending to do the most work with, has become more concentrated around REI and multifamily specifically. Now, let's say I'm interested in um, you know, having you to help me publish a book and write and write this book. At what point in my career in my career should I say now is the time? That's gonna be ultimately a personal decision for you. What I would say, though, is that for you and anyone listening to this, take a look back at your REI career thus far and just you know, try to think about it as though you were someone else looking at where you are. And then someone, that same person looking and listening to you as an authority, would that person nod their head and accept what you're saying? Or might they look at it as, oh, he's only done one deal on a duplex. And now he's, you know, he's, he's trying to coach me on how to raise a hundred million for my next deal. You know, it has to pass. I would say it has to pass kind of a, a laugh test, so to speak. Now I'm talking to Nick Rattel, founder of the seven hour book. You can visit his website at www.contentcore.net. Um, now, Nick, let's say that I have a clear avatar for my book a clear goal for what I want to achieve with the book. And I hire your team to work on this masterpiece for me. But I don't have a platform or a huge email list to uh, promote to when you are done with your work. Now, I'm sure the work is going to do, uh, do well at, at, at some point because you have a masterpiece. But what are the key element or the key relationship that I need to really have in place before I come to you and to make this a successful project? Well, for that, I would say that you don't necessarily need to have that kind of a platform. I mean, we've worked, I'm thinking right now of a guy actually worked on a couple of projects with him over the years. And in his case, he was working in a pretty high profile position engineering. He'll, he'll know. He'll know who he is if he's listening to this. Um, but in his case, he had none of that. He had absolutely none of that. And I think his investor database was maybe a few hundred people, but it was truly an investor database as opposed to a content database from having sent out you know, emails for his blog, things like that. It was truly just his passive investors. And since then, you know, he subsequently scaled that to having a much larger list for his content itself that he was then able to leverage for his book. So that's really a long way of saying that if you're going to do a book project, whether it's with myself or whether it's even independently on your own, don't get hung up on needing to have a huge list or a huge platform beforehand. Now, can you walk me through the process of someone working with your team, what it looks like? Sure, I can give you a high-level overview of that. What it basically would be is it would begin with someone going on our website, contentcore.net, and reviewing it, looking it over, and also, like we've been saying, thinking on their own independently 
about whether of all the forms of media out there, a book would make the most sense for them. And having made that determination, they would then submit the contact form on our site, get in touch with our team. And from there, if we both mutually decided that it was a fit, then from there, we begin the process of seven one-hour calls over Zoom, where we would assemble the book with them, walking them through a framework of questions on the calls, and in between each of the calls, completing the sections of the book, posting it online in our database for them to review, and completing the book that way, as long as along with handling marketing aspects of it after the book was out. What, what sort of things do you do with the marketing aspects of it? Well, one of the big things that we do is helping them to round up reviews, genuine, honest reviews of the book, particularly for use with Amazon, because we live in a day and age in which reviews, particularly five-star Amazon reviews and honest reviews of that, really can go a long way toward ensuring that a book gets out and reaches the widest possible audience. So then my next question is, I don't know if you have any uh, non-disclosure agreement but could you share with the audience, if someone want to check you out, some of the book's titles that you have helped people done in the past so they can look them up in Amazon and maybe purchase a few to read for themselves? Yeah, you really hit it on the nail, the nail on the head with that part V about the non-disclosure. As of right now, it's really not something I can give out, unfortunately. But then is it something that you could go over with them if they are a client or you just cannot disclosure at all? disclose it all it would probably just depend on the, the case now when we work with you i'm sure you don't write a, the book yourself you have a team uh, who are the people working behind the scenes to help your clients put um, their masterpiece together absolutely yeah we have a rotating team of freelancers who we retain some of them a little bit longer than others just depending on their availability but we'll bring people on and scale up or scale down depending on what the project requires and we typically, to give your listeners a tip in terms of how to find these kinds of people, we found, particularly now with the virus and work from home becoming the norm, we found that Elance is pretty good. Excuse me, I said Elance. My bad. Upwork. It used to be, used to be Elance, but uh, <laughs> Upwork, it tends to be pretty good. And uh, then there's another site that I've been using recently for a lot of uh, kind of admin stuff. And that one, I believe, if I remember correctly, it was Work Remote, or it might have been Remote OK, one of those two, as a platform for hiring people who specifically want to work remotely, as opposed to, in the old days at least, commuting in somewhere. Now, when you said you have a team of rotating um, writers, more or less, um, maybe ghostwriter even, how do you ensure that they will write in my own voice? It's a great question. Um, one of the ways we're able to handle that is through the fact that we record the calls. And then based on the calls, we're able to spot patterns. And if, for example, someone uses, and it's a cheesy example, but if someone uses the word like a lot, and we're able to sense other casual slang aspects of their speech like that, we're able to identify then patterns and help our writers to think in that way. So then do you do you sit down with your writer and just say, train them to kind of catch those kind of cues or are you doing this yourself and, and just hand it over? Yeah, what we'll have the, our writers do is we'll have them get into the character 
and get into the spirit as best they can when they're writing our initial draft. And then we'll sit down with them and pour over the draft and put multiple eyes on it and really try to think about it together to make sure that it sounds like them. Or if the person who we're doing the book for ultimately doesn't care if it sounds like them, that's a whole nother matter entirely. Because we definitely work with a fair share of people who don't even really care if it's in their voice or not. They just want to have a book out. And in that case, you know, while we're open to making it sound like them, if they don't care, then it certainly changes the game. Now, let's talk price point because your service is really valuable to um, a lot of people, especially when they want to build credibility and utilize the book as a uh, leverage for them, you know, to stand out in the crowd. I know typically a good ghostwriter will be around $15,000 to $20,000. Uh, now, you're not only ghostwriting, you're also helping with the marketing piece of it as well. So it must be really expensive to work with you, right? I think it just depends on what the person's looking for. I mean, I will say that, uh, you know, we're not, whoever your favorite political candidate is, you know, they almost will inevitably put out a memoir or some kind of a campaign book and they'll hire ghostwriters for that. We are nowhere near what, you know, whichever candidate you're cheering for is going to spend on their ghostwriting. Um, and I read on your website that you could do as little as like a um, hundred bucks a month. Could you just share some some of the things that you would do for your low-end package and then walk up from there? Well, again, I think that's really going to come down to what the person themselves is looking for. So I'd hate to, in that case, provide any kind of hard and fast price quotes, if you will, on this format. Right. No, I'm not looking for hard price quote. I'm just looking for like what sort of things you would do for, like, let's say the low price point here are the things that we'll, we'll cover. And then, you know, here's a mid price point and then you know, the grand, grand uh, slam kind of deal. But I understand each project is different. And so, you know, definitely email Nick and you will get his contact information um, in the show note. Also at the beginning of the show, I've shared that definitely reach out to him. And then also, again, his website is www.contentcore.net. Definitely reach out to him when you have an idea that you think this is worth exploring to make it into a book. Now, Nick, something else that you mentioned before the show is that you want to, oh, actually, people now are kind of at home more and, you know, being impacted by uh, the pandemic. So do you have some tips on how to use different types of media to reach out to investors, to network and, and sort of bridge the gap that social distancing has been created to, for, for all of us? Sure, I can certainly speak to that. Um, we've been talking about one of them, of course, with the book. But beyond that, I would say that certainly podcasts can be a very effective way. Um, I know that, you know, I certainly have our clients have been trying to get on a lot more podcasts, uh, other folks in the space, you know, it's been a proliferation, as we've said, of podcasts out there now, and being able to speak with other investors, whether it's the hosts or speak to their audiences on podcasts can be a great way if you're an investor right now and you're stuck at home and you'd love to go to a RIA meeting and meet people, but you can't, of course because of social distancing, 
podcasts, being on them, or even just listening to them and then connecting with the hosts and their guests can be another really good way of networking despite the distance. Nick, thank you so much for your time on the show. I just have one last question for you before I let you go. Um, out of all the books you've read so far, what's your most favorite book and what's the lessons that you like from there? Oh my goodness, where to start? Where to start with this? I guess I would say of current books, um, books that I've read probably within the last month or so. One of the ones that I've really enjoyed was uh, The Bed of Procrustes and it's Nassim Taleb. And it's talking about the ideas, the idea essentially that we have our beliefs and we fit ourselves into those beliefs instead of questioning the beliefs themselves. So I thought that was a, a pretty interesting takeaway. And then of course, you know, if you read the other works in Nassim Taleb's collection, you know, there's The Black Swan, there's Fooled by Randomness. It's just really good books for better understanding the way you think. And for those of us who are in, in the investing space, better understanding why we make the decisions we do and how to make better decisions. Terrific, man. Thank you again for your time on the show. Now, make sure you go connect with Nick. Uh, again, his website is www.contentcore.net. And Nick, do you have any parting work for the audience? Stay safe, which I guess is what everyone's saying these days, but uh, stay safe. And uh, more seriously, though, um, if you're thinking about any kind of media, whether it's a book, whether it's starting your podcast, whether it's putting out YouTube content, it really has never been a better time. And it's never been easier to, given the advent of mobile technology for quickly recording things, whether it's as well Anchor for starting a podcast. All of the tools are there. So don't be afraid to take that step and to carve out time and just start putting out content. Because I think you'll see whether it's in the case of a podcast, whether it's in the case of a YouTube channel, or just other kinds of media that you would put out, you'd probably be pretty amazed at where it'll end up taking you. Awesome. Thank you again for your time. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.